Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Ard My Optics, a podcast where grown adults discuss, overanalyze and generally take a toy and media franchise originally intended for kids a little too seriously. And today we finally get around to talking about the Spider-Verse movies. Woo! Yay! Yeah! <laughs> We've been threatening it for a long time, so... I am your dishevelled, jaded, been around for a while co-host from another dimension of Ryan Gear, and with me is my young, out of his depth, occasionally invisible co-host, Virtual Dave. Dave, how you doing? Hey everyone, or should I say, hey. Oh, please don't. <laughs> In addition to Dave, returning for his fourth appearance, and therefore, this issue won't demand a huge price on the aftermarket, our special guest co-host and comic book eating continuity devouring canon scoffing Galactosh. Welcome back. Heidi ho everyone. Hey. Now so far there have been two, some may argue one and a half, Spider-Verse movies. So depending on how long that we wang on, we might have to split this one up into two. Uh, so let's just see how this goes. So here we are, all back to talk about Spider-Man again, uh, like we did back in episode 14. Let's just run down our Spider-Man credentials, shall we? Galactos, what gives you the right to lecture us and our listeners on Spider-Man? Um, I have no right to lecture you at all, but um, I have been a bit of a fan for 32 years now. Knocking on 33. Um, I think I have read every issue of Spider-Man that's ever come out. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure I'll be proved wrong at some point. <laughs> um, and one of my favourite Spider-Man characters is not a Spider-Man character. So uh, <laughs> I think that gives me the top credentials. Oh, right. Who's that then? <laughs> Punisher. Oh, right. Oh, right. So is he a Spider-Man character because he first appeared in Spider-Man? I'd have thought so. Yeah, okay. Oh, there you go. Um, so, Dave, uh, what bring what can you bring to this discussion? Well, I would say my credentials, which wouldn't be considered much of a comic book perspective, as um, Orion and Galactosh, I am four from the animated TV show, video game. You know, I would say MCU, but all movies type perspective about spider-man mm. and that's really what really drove me to the character so spider-man as a media entity rather than yes. a comic book character oh yeah as stanley would have wanted it <laughs> <laughs> it is in fact how stanley would have wanted it <laughs> so yeah my qualifications are similar to galactosh's i mean i i read spider-man since i was a kid um, in fact, I just recently purchased one of the comics that I was reading as a kid in the hairdressers, waiting for my brothers to get their hair done. I had a lot of copies of the complete Spider-Man that I pick up from newsagents. I watched all the movies, uh, most of the TV shows, and I've generally been a bit of a Spider-Man nerd for the best part of 40 years. Read plenty of comics, not nearly as many as Galactosh, but certainly plenty. So... With that all out of the way, let's get into it, shall we? And start with the beginning of this particular chapter of Spider-Media, the 2018 animated movie, 
Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, produced by Columbia Pictures and Sony Pictures Animation, directed by Bob Perchetti, or is it Perichetti? Bob Perichetti. Peter Rams... Uh, Peter, I should have read, the, read these names before I did this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bob Perichetti, Peter Rams, and Rodney Rothman, and written by Phil Lord. Gratosh, how about you kick us off and tell us... Uh, what Spider-Man is the Spider-Verse is? Um, apart from being absolutely beautifully animated and one of the greatest animations I think I've ever seen, it had a really good story. Uh, mm-hmm. It Obviously, it plays off of the uh, Marvel comic of the same name with uh, fewer Miles Morales's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's... It's different to your usual uh, superhero story in that, yes, it is all uh, first act. It is a, a pretty much uh, an origin story, but it's much more than your usual Spider-Man origin story because it is a bit different, but it's more a coming-of-age story Yeah, than it is anything else. Yes. Uh, I will admit, it's been a while since I've seen it. <laughs> because I couldn't find my copy before this, and I was hoping I could remember it off the top of my head. Uh, well, I mean, it, I'm sure you've watched it enough times to remember. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it is very much a kind of origin story, and it's it's kind of a it's more about kind of finding who you are, really. Than yes, precisely. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. It's more coming of age. Mm. It's um, be it becoming because it's something that the other Spider-Man films never really hit on, where. Uh, it's about accepting yourself and your place. Mm-hmm. Whereas all the live action Spider-Man we've got still have been stuck in the whole, uh, not really accepting your responsibility and getting it there. Mm. If that makes sense. That yeah. makes more sense in my head probably than it came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I, I agree. I, th- I think that it, it kind of, it has a really good kind of story arc. Um, with with Miles, where he basically he doesn't know what's going on, doesn't understand his new, you know, what's happening to him, and feels kind of imposter syndrome. And it's and it's not until yeah. the end where he accepts that he is Spider Man, that anyone can be Spider Man, and he's his own brand mm. of Spider Man, as it were. Yeah, much more succinct than I did. As like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, Dave, what what? What are your initial thoughts? Well, actually, actually, how about um, we talk about our expectations going in? Because um, I mean, when it fir- first came out, what what were your thoughts about it? Like before you saw it, Dave. Um, well, before I saw it, um, I saw the trailers that dropped um, in the build up to the film, and I thought visually it looked incredible, like something. I had not seen on the big screen before that type of um, take on 3D animation in that sense. Like, mm-hmm. you don't really get that type of experimental animation in Western animation in that sense. Yeah. I would expect that type of visuals from, like, an anime or something. And that's what really drew me in. And finding out more about Miles... And him being the main, like the lead of the film, because obviously you hear Spider-Man and you think, well, oh, great. Peter Parker's back Mm -hmm. again. Um, But 
it was um, obviously from the the promotional material that it was it was about Miles and not necessarily yeah. about Peter. Although Peter would be there, you know, he was mm-hmm. going to be there, but it was definitely a Miles story, and it definitely drew me in um, because of that. Did the promotional material show Peter much? Like, I don't know if it did. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't remember because I don't think I saw it. Not in the like the very first teaser trailer, but in the second mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you, you see him having a conversation with Miles in the subway, which doesn't happen in the film. Um, so right. I love that. Um, <laughs> having a chat about being Spider-Man. Okay. All right. I mean, my expectations going in were I don't usually watch many animated movies. Um, I expected it to be aimed at kids, which it is to a certain extent, but it's certainly not completely. And um, I was very concerned about the use of the term Spider-Verse. <laughs> Just because those comics were not good. Did you see it in the theatre, though? No. Or did you watch it later? No, I watched it on the telly much later, yeah. That was, it, that was um, a big thing about the film, that it's, it's weird release date, you know, being in December. It's not, it's not really the... Um, What's the best? It's not the best time for that type of film to have come out. So I could I could have easily have missed it. Is what I mean. Like it wasn't yeah. a time I would normally go to the cinema in December. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I suppose lots of people do though at Christmas because they've got time to do that kind of thing. It did well. It's you know a lot of people went to see it. It was a it was a hit. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just mean me personally. Like I don't normally mm. go to the cinema very often, and this is obviously pre-pandemic and I still mm-hmm. didn't go to the cinema very often but yeah. glad I did go to see it at the cinema it passed me by I didn't really notice it coming out until people started saying oh this is really good and I'm like oh okay I'll have to watch it then that's, that's what I mean like it was just by chance I actually mm. go to see, I went to see it same here I didn't I didn't even know it was coming out to be honest mm-hmm. I'd heard about a Spider-Man cartoon but then it was there and it was like oh okay yeah, it was quite low-key, wasn't it? Which yeah. mm-hmm. is not the case with Across the Spider-Verse, which obviously, <laughs> off the back of the success of the first one, they've really kind of ramped up the promotion, as it were. Yes. So, shall we um, just kind of briefly talk about the story? We're, we're sort of in a pick-and-choose universe that incorporates aspects of like various iterations of Spider-Man including but not exclusively um, Ultimate Spider-Man, kind of the Raimi movies, Spider-Man are referenced. Um, so are the Amazing Spider-Man movies a bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Plus, the original 616 comics seem to exist in this universe, as does the 60s cartoon and a few other kind of Spider-Man media things. Like, Miles is reading Spider-Man comics. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got the... <laughs> I got the hint that he had like um that this version of Spider Man had really nailed down the whole merchandising of being Spider Man. Mm. Um which I guess kind of assumes why he has all of his tech gadgets and um fancy layer. Like maybe it's just loads of marketing. Maybe this Spider Man is like we have a comic book about me, you know? <laughs> Some songs. He seems to have made more of a success being Spider-Man than others. Yeah. This one struck me very much like the House of M Spider-Man. Mm. Yeah, I thought he was Ultimate Spider-Man, but I mean, I don't, I didn't read a lot of Ultimates, so I can't say for sure. But he's similar. 
And his Green Goblin is a massive monster, which is very much um, ultimate Spider-Man. So, yeah, uh, you've got this Spider-Man who's been around for 10 years. He's blonde. He seems pretty happy. He loves being Spider-Man. And you've got Miles, who is 18, attending a new school called Visions Academy. Uh, due to his incredible intelligence, although he rarely shows any incredible intelligence, to be honest. Fair point. <laughs> he did get in via a lottery, though, didn't he? Like something, some sort of. Uh, isn't that something that's taken from his comic? I mean, he must have been clever enough. Oh yeah, like uh, I think he says it like he's passed the test mm. to get in, but I mean, like he got the opportunity to go there because yeah, he won some sort. Of... So he's kind of already a fish out of water, trying to make new friends at a new school. All that kind of stuff. Yes. His dad's a cop. His mum's a, pa- a paramedic or a doctor or a nurse or some kind of health worker. I'm not quite 100 sure. Uh, yeah, he goes to this this university, this this new academy, and he meets a girl who he likes. And um, whilst trespassing and committing criminal damage with his uncle, he gets bitten by a spider. <laughs> That's pretty much what he's doing. As you do. His uncle's a bit of a wrong one, really. It's one way of putting it. Yeah, but he doesn't know that. <laughs> he doesn't know that apart from he goes trespassing and commits criminal damage with him. Well, I mean, he doesn't He doesn't know the extent of his no. being a wrong No, no, no. Yeah. The cool uncle, you know. The cool kind of uncle who breaks the rules and is a bit more kind of edgy than his dad is a cop. Yeah. So um, he goes back to where he got bitten after being, you know, feeling a bit unusual. And steps into a fight between Spider-Man and Green Goblin. And it turns out the Kingpin is trying to open portals into different dimensions. As you do. Yep. So he's built this mm-hmm. this, 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 mm-hmm. this collider thing that is meant to open portals into other dimensions. We learn later that it's because his wife and kid are dead in this universe and he wants to go to a universe where they're alive still. And he's uh, he's got Prowler and Tombstone as his kind of heavies, mm-hmm. pretty much. I mean, I wasn't aware of the uh, character of Prowler until I watched this movie. Really? Really? No. Is he in regular Spider-Man, or is he just a universe... Uh, sorry, a, um ultimate character? No, he's regular. He's, he, but it's, it's normally a different guy, isn't it? Um, he was in the really early Spider-Man in the six, late 60s, Prowler. Uh, I'm not going to guess a number, but... I th- It'd be around 69 he came out. Because, uh, what was it? It was Hobie... Hobie Brown. Brown, that's it. Who later is Spider-Punk. Yes. Yeah. Different universe, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't know that. Um, Prowler was new to me in this movie because I, I just had, must have missed the comics that he was in. Like I said, I haven't read them all. And I'm pretty sure at one point they roped him into the Clone Saga. Mm-hmm. So I never remember there being something about a clone about him. It, it figures. <laughs> if it wasn't the clone saga, it's the clone conspiracy, one or the other. Yeah, something. Yeah, those. To be honest, my my <laughs> knowledge of that particular dark period of Spider-Man is not not great. I haven't read a lot of it. He was also in the animated show as well. Uh, which animated show though? Yeah, narrow it down. The nineties one. The nineties. Well, I didn't watch that. Yeah, that's the good one though. Yeah. <laughs> I well, I, yeah, I'd argue that Spectacular Spider-Man is a good one. Uh, anyway, everyone's allowed their opinion. Yeah, <laughs> however, however, right it is. Um, 
So, yeah, we um, Spider-Man, during the fight, gets his head shoved into the beam. And there's an explosion. Mm. And um, Spider-Man is basically, well, dying. And he gives Miles uh, a goober. Which is essentially a memory stick or whatever, which has something that will basically shut it down on it. Some kind of clever bit of programming that Spider-Man's done. MacGuffin. Yeah, a MacGuffin. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, and he's he's like, that's he now has to stop it. Um, he's not able to do it because he's, he's still learning how to be a spider person. And he ends up kind of running away, doesn't he, I think, pretty much. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and Kingpin kills Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah. So anyway, you get, then you get all the origin stuff. You get uh, Miles learning to web sling, which I thought everyone was bored of. So next time you kind of bring it up as a as a reason why they didn't do it in MCU, it's in here. <laughs> all that learning how to web sling and stuff, and no one seems to have a problem with it. <laughs> anyway, uh, he visits Peter Parker's grave to say sorry that he wasn't able to do what he needed to do, and that's when another Spider-Man turns up, another Peter Parker turns up from another universe. Mm. This Peter Parker is older. Well, well, he's been Spider-Man longer. Anyway, not necessarily older, but he's been Spider-Man longer, and he's he's a bit down on his luck at, the, at that particular time in his life. Things have gone a bit wrong. Um, split up with his wife uh, she wanted to have kids and he was scared so he didn't so yeah they split up and he's a bit overweight and not looking after himself eating a lot of pizza that's what I had for breakfast <laughs> I like this Peter Parker I think this Peter Parker's great yeah he's um, he's one of the, well I mean I say one of them I think the entire film has an amazing voice cast hmm and his 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 performance is really good as portraying this type of you know he can still do it, but he's gonna do it at a slower pace than he could do it like six years ago type of spider man just you know all the long stretching and oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. oh it's one of these it's a Tuesday don't worry I, I get this all the time you know that type of business <laughs> it feels to me like the the real spider man yeah. Like the one from the six one six, but a bit aged, jaded. Mm. Yeah. It's much more like Mister Miyagi. Mm-hmm. Yes, because he takes a kind of a yeah, he takes a kind of like a mentor role, doesn't yeah. he? And he does it in odd ways. <laughs> Teach some yeah. lessons he needs to learn, but not in the way he needs. To, he thinks he needs to learn it. Yes. <laughs> But I mean, that's the thing, though. The, sto- sto- the story of the movie is 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 about is about Mars, but it's also about Peter. It's about Peter kind of discovering that maybe he could be a dad. Maybe that is something he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and he learns that through tutoring Miles. And it's back to the whole. It's all about growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, Peter Parker wants to get home, so they need the key to override the collider, but. Um, uh, it got damaged, didn't it? it? Got broken, got smashed up. Mm-hmm. So they go to Alchemax, which is the company that's building this collider, essentially. Mm. Where um, 
the doctor there, Olivia, Dr. Olivia Octavius, turns out to obviously mm-hmm. be a female Dr. Octopus, essentially. It, it's um, nicely signposted all the way through it, though. Mm, yeah, yeah, but it's not kind of um, and they it's don't not use thrown the, in your face. If I remember correctly, they don't use Octavius until right at the end. No, they don't. It's just Olivia. Yeah, it is, and yeah. she, she appears on the screen when they're in, in when they're in school, and it says Doctor Olivia, and then someone standing in front of her second name. Yeah. Yes. So you can't yeah, see. Miles is, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can't see the second name. So it's it's nice. It, it doesn't give it away straight away. No. It's nicely telegraphed, though. Like she's wearing octagonal glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there's actually a, a Doc Ock claw hanging, hanging around in her lab. Yes, mm-hmm. there is. On the bench. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there if you're paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's not like made obvious, which is nice. nice. Yeah. No, no, no. Not in the first viewing. There's no, no winking at the camera at any point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, um, then we're introduced to Spider-Woman, Gwen, Gwen Stacy. Then we get to see her origin, as it were, her little bit where she says, I'm Spider-Woman, blah, 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 blah. She's been only been at the, at the job for about two years. She's absolutely the comic book Spider-Woman created by Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez, like during Dan Slott's not yeah. particularly good Spider-Verse storyline. But she was a standout star. She she was one of the good things that came out of it, definitely. Oh yeah, yet another uh, Marvel actor actress uh, doubling up on being in the Marvel roles. Hey, Springfield. Yeah, what else is she? She was a uh, she was in Hawkeye. Oh, of course she was. Yeah, but much later. But yes, yes, she was, and she was also in Bumblebee. Yes, yes. Oh, there's quite a few um, double up of Marvel characters in this voice cast. Mm. Examples. Um, I forget. I forget everyone's real names, but Kingpin um, also voice. Um, sorry, was also Sabretooth in the X Men movies in the origin X Men branch of movies. Oh, mm-hmm. um, Lee Schreiber. Yes, I thought you were talking about Tyler Main for a minute, and I'm going to go no, no, Tyler no, Main. no, not him. <laughs> <laughs> Mars's uncle is um, Cottonmouth in the Luke Cage series and to eventually play Blade at some point. Mm. Marshall Ali. Um, obviously, Olivia Octavius is um, Agatha. Yeah. In um, One Division. Uh, I feel like there's someone else. Don't come to me. But yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> that's enough anyway. There's, there's plenty. His oh, mother's dad. He's in the Eternals. Oh, is he? Well, well, who's going to remember that? Let's not worry about that. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no one will remember that movie. In, well, does anyone remember it now? It happened. <laughs> it happened. We know it happened, but I'm sure it will soon be deleted from everyone's memories. <laughs> the rest of the MCU couldn't be seen to be bothered about the Eternals. <laughs> Why should anyone else? <laughs> But this is where we kind of see how we start being introduced to the fact that everyone's got their own animation style. Like, different universes have different animation Mm -hmm. styles. And we we see some other characters, like, we meet Aunt May, and then we meet a bunch of other people from other universes who've kind of gravitated towards her. And they go down into Spider-Man's secret bunker. (laughs) And yeah, so you've got 
Spider-Man Noir, who's like a black and white kind of pulp crime fiction kind of character, played by Nick Cage. The one and only Nicholas Cage. Brilliant. Perfectly. Brilliant. Wonderfully. <laughs> and you've got like an, a kind of anime, manga, spider person, spider girl, I guess. Um, Penny Parker. Penny Parker, yeah, who's uh, mm-hmm. got her little robot. Who, d- who differs from the robot in the comic book, but we'll see that robot later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, we've got um, a Looney Tunes character, Peter Porker, essentially, <laughs> Spider Ham, who's been around for ages. Like he's not—he's not a new thing. No, Peter Porker's been around since the eighties. Mm. He's—he's not. Yeah, but it was—it's it, a great team. Like it's a good group to put together. I think I like the fact that it's not—it's not a large team, and they're all different. Mm-hmm. In, in, in a pretty good way like they don't and they all work together on screen even if they are so different in animation style and I, I like that they picked such um, probably some of the mainstream lesser known Spider-Man variants or different versions I mean I doubt every household has heard of Spider-Ham before or no not to your layman no spider- no <laughs> or a Spider-Man that runs around and punches Nazis um, in black and white, <laughs> very recently. Anyway, um, uh, it's a good. It's a good. I guess because they maybe because they're it's not so attached to mo- the media at the moment. They could. They knew they could play with it a bit more, and, I, and it's glad that they did, where they did. Absolutely, yeah. It's a good, a good selection. So yeah, they have to get a. Do they get a new? They get a new goober then, don't they? Essentially, I think. Yeah, Penny makes one. Yeah. And then they have to, they have to go and use it. But before that happens, there's a fight in Aunt May's house, isn't it? I think, yes. where Prowler and um, Tombstone and a Spanish scorpion turn up. <laughs> Don't know where that scorpion came from. Just kind of here we go. Here we go. Got another one. Uh, another strange character. I was I was going to ask you about that. Like, is is scorpion Spanish in like? The Ultimate Comics or something? I have never come across this version. I don't know. I don't know if there's... No, no. I don't remember ever a Spanish... A Spanish... <laughs> According to the internet, the scorpion is Mexican, not Spanish. Should have known, really. Little else is known about this dude other than he's played by Mexican actor and poet Joaquim Cosio. Yeah, and he seems a little bit out of place. He seems like he might from, be from an alternate universe, but he's, you know, they never say he is. But he's there, they have a big fight. Turns out, shock horror, that Prowler is his uncle. Now, I mean, mm. anybody who's read the comics would know that anyway. Except Miles. <laughs> well, of course Miles won't know it. He's in the story. <laughs> <laughs> because in this movie, we don't pretend it's a movie. We, the characters in it are actually there in the story, not winking at the camera <laughs> saying, oh, I watch movies, I know everything about what's going on. <laughs> like certain MCU movies. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he doesn't know, so he finds out, and that's a big, a big revelation for him. And then Mars has his Uncle Ben moment, because um, basically, because Aaron um, won't kill his, his nephew... I think it's yeah. He gets shot, doesn't he, by um, by by Kingpin? Yeah, and dies. 
And that gives that gives Miles his Uncle Ben moment, but his, or his Uncle Aaron moment, as it were. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, his dad turns up as it, always, always. Whenever somebody dies mm-hmm. and uh, Spider Man is nearby, a cop or a dad or something will turn up and 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 think that they did it. Yes, essentially, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> so he wants to track down Spider Man and you know capture him or whatever. The rest of the Spider Gang go to stop the Collider, but Miles is still struggling to use his powers properly. He can't control when he turns invisible, which I have to admit, I did. I totally forgot that he turned invisible after the first viewing. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> spiders don't turn invisible. No. I remember that we you had a conversation about this film, you know, after we had watched it, and you, I think I must have said something about one of the toys or something coming with like electric powers or something. You're like. Why? Mm. And they're like, because he does it in the film. <laughs> does he? Why does he have electric powers? <laughs> Don't Because of the spot. Because of the spider. It's his venom shot. <laughs> I was talking about this actually yesterday with some friends, and one of them pointed out that there is a very much a weird kind of tendency to give black characters electric powers. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that why that is. But he's uh, one of them. Don't know. It's just it's just covert, it's covert racism. <laughs> 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 but yeah, but why? But what what does it mean? Like what what are they saying by this covert racism given all electric powers? I don't know. It's probably like a boardroom meeting and they're like mm, black people, black power. Power, electricity. Let's go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, yeah, um, he's trying to control his powers and can't. So the rest of the Spider Gang go to stop the Collider. It, they web him up onto a chair to, to basically protect him, which, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's Peter Parker showing some, uh, some responsibility, which he doesn't show in the next movie. But they head off to do that, and then he has a, a, pet to- a pep talk through the door from his dad, which somehow mm. helps him control his powers. And off he goes to help them. Well, that's just that's just analogous to uh, pubescent boys. Mm-hmm. They're up to, up to stuff in the bedroom. <laughs> you get a talk through the door, <laughs> calms them down. Yeah. Just so. Yeah. And then off he goes. Um, and uh, Kingpin is throwing a, throwing a gala event to commemorate the, par- the passing of Spider-Man. <laughs> that, that, that leads the Spider-People to decide that they're going to pose as waiters. Um, because all the waiters are dressed as Spider-Man. Only they forget that all the waiters are dressed as this universe's Spider-Man. And they wander around dressed as Spider-People from other universes that no one's ever seen before. But everyone still assumes that they're waiters and waitresses. I'm pretty sure that's the plot of a Place Academy Five. But... <laughs> really? Well, they all dress up as waiting staff and uh, clean. They do, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, it's just a classic time time honoured plot, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I, just, <laughs> I just don't know why they don't look at Spider Gwen and go, "Who are you?" <laughs> like you don't look like Spider Man at all. I mean, I would. Or I guess it would be more. 
There would be no wild, wouldn't it? It'd be no. Why is he so black and white? Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why do these people not look like they're of this world? <laughs> anyway, um, Peter has a moment with MJ, which I think is really good. Well, the, that universe is MJ, and I think that's where he kind of realizes that maybe he could be a father and and wants to do that. I think it was more he he realized he could talk to her because I got the hint that he was avoiding her in his universe, so able to see her face to face and have well, they split up. Bread. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, like the first steps in order to be able to communicate with MJ, trialed out in this universe. Mm-hmm. So then they all get to the collider and they have a big old fight and they stop the collider and there's a nice emotional goodbye to Miles from Peter and the spider people all win the day and they all head back to their original universes. Miles being the person who puts the goober in so that he has... Because basically there's a conceit that the person who does it won't be able to go home, essentially. So originally Peter was going to do it and just have to stay there. But Miles does it instead. There's some fights, there's some stuff with Kingpin where he kind of explains why he's doing what he's doing. Bit of monologuing. Yep. And then it's the end, it's finished. And Miles accepts his place as Spider One. Spider One? Spider Man. <laughs> and he's got no more imposter syndrome. And that, that's it. That's the end of the movie, pretty much. Anything to add? Nope. It ends. Uh, we get an- the, the, the. Go on. As I say, the, the glitching was the thing. That's why no one could stay, because if they stayed, they would die being outside of their universe. Precisely, yeah. They can't, they can't exist for an indeterminate amount of time in another universe. They do all that glitching thing, like, mm. um, which is like telegraphed here and there. People, people do it. And we do see that with the spider that bites... Miles, which mm-hmm. is a kind of seed for the next movie. Yes. Talking of seeds for the next movie, that one's good. Yeah. But the end of credits one is not. Because it doesn't work. Because we get an end of credits scene where, meanwhile, in uh, Nueva, Nueva York, is it Nueva York? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Miguel O'Hara, Spider Man 2099, uh, and he's all slim. And his AI tells him that while he's been away for two hours, the multiverse didn't collapse. Uh, So that's all good. And he gives him his first dimension jumping watch. Mm -hmm. And then he jumps to 60s Spider-Man and we have the, uh, the pointing at each other meme, which, you know, is fine, I guess. Oscar Isaac playing yet another Marvel character. Yes, he's done yes. plenty. He has another, another one. one. Yeah, that would, be, that would at that time been his second. Yes. So what? Uh, the X Men one, the um, Apocalypse. Apocalypse first, yeah. then this, mm. uh, and now Moon Knight. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a busy man. Marvel loves him. So um, we kind of mentioned it, but like. What, what what were your favourite things about the movie? Is Are you a big fan of the movie? Go. The art is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Visually stunning, the whole thing. Um, and the way they also use... Uh, like, when Miles flies, uh, falls upwards through the scene, 
to show his rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just really well done. That's like the watch What's Up Danger scene, isn't it? The one with that. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's it's really just good. Done. It's got a beginning, middle, and end, mm-hmm. which is going to be a problem I have soon <laughs> when we come to discuss another film. <laughs> it, 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 it's just really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't put it anything else than that. It's just like the whole thing is really well done. It doesn't pander. It doesn't patronise. It doesn't even bother to bore you with uh, Peter Parker's origin for the 20,000th time. Yes. Which, ironically, moving on to the next film. (laughs) This one treats people as moviegoers and people who want to be entertained. Yeah. And they want to be stunningly beautiful uh, the sound is excellent. Oh god, yeah. The way it's been sh- sh- shot, mm-hmm. for want of a better way to put it, the the direction fits it. It's fantastic, and they've got a very good selection of characters. Moving on to the next one, and uh, maybe <laughs> not. Anyway, uh, where do we exactly put the v- massive spoilers thing over this one? Oh, I should have probably done it at the beginning. Really, I mean. Right, we've we discussed the first movie, and that's been out a long time. It came out in two thousand eighteen, so five years, I think, is fine outside. Yeah, if, of the, if we spoil you, I I'm do. very yeah. sorry, but there will be spoilers for Across <laughs> the Spider Verse soon. So you know, you can't be bothered <laughs> to watch a, a superhero film within five years. <laughs> yeah, why are you even <laughs> listening to this? Precisely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I I agree. I think the movie is it's very close to flawless. It's well paced. It's beautifully animated. Um, I was originally concerned when I saw the term Spider-Verse, I was originally concerned. And that what Dan Slott was doing in that Spider-Verse comic was kind of this, he had this weird fetishization of the Spider-Man persona where he just wanted to make them kind of, it was almost felt like he was making new commodities to sell. Yeah. Whereas this movie does that, turns that completely on its head. Like it makes proper characters out of them and, show, and it shows restraint in doing yeah. so. Like, You've only got what five, is it five spider people, and we don't constantly skip about seeing hundreds of them. We'll be talking about that, <laughs> and it, yeah, it 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 does it with such class. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic, and it it pulls at your heartstrings on a regular basis. Yeah, it really gets the character of Spider Man or the characters of Spider Man. Yeah, really, really well. The writers and the directors seem to understand and get the character and what makes him tick. It's a love letter to Spider-Man. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, and the concept of Spider-Man, I think. Yeah, yeah. The whole idea behind him, the whole reason he does what he does, it really gets that and puts it front and centre. It's about responsibility, it's about regret, and it's about making the wrong choices and then dealing with that. Yes. Which is entirely the core of the Spider-Man character. Mm. And I'm glad they did it with Miles because um, like his introduction of being Spider-Man, I don't think a lot of people took to him in the same way um, at the time of his you know, creation. No, not in the comics, no. No, people weren't. There was a lot of upset. From some people, which I thought was a bit weird, because you still you still had regular Spider Man. You didn't have to read it. <laughs> yeah, but that's the people who will be upset at anything. Mm-hmm. 
agreed. Yeah. The ones that the ones that are upset that they their mind hasn't been put onto a screen or put in print. <laughs> it's not. It wasn't like a new Coke situation. It wasn't like they took no. regular Spider Man off the off the stands and went, "Here's your new one. Deal with it." I guess it's because most most people don't know about the different universes. So, like, if people saw Spider-Man is dead on a big headline, they would say, oh, my God, they've killed Spider-Man, and they've mm. replaced him with some random kid who is also a minority. Oh, yeah, what are I, they doing? Oh, it's yeah. a diversity he's higher. Yeah. Well, the thing is, yeah. he's also he's multiple mi- minorities. Yes. He, he's not just yeah, one. Yeah. He, he's fitting a couple in. <laughs> no, there, there was a bit of a backlash at the time, but everyone... they. Oh, it's that gatekeeping mentality of some idiots. Yeah. That will just moan that everything is different. But, but what I liked about it was just that it, it made it, it helped his character be cemented as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like this film really helped push that idea that in this universe or in anywhere, you know, Peter's croaked it and he's taken over that Miles has become Spider-Man or people can view him as Spider-Man as just as an average watcher. And he's a worthy replacement. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll agree with that to a point. It does solidify him as a Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, they've still, they've still got to have a generic Spider-Man in there to make him a Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it does, it just, it, it helps for, like, the mainstream. Yeah. Like, it's nice that he gets that type of recognition. But the whole film, film is a, the, enveloping the mainstream. Like the whole point that it's putting all the memes in there. Mm. So it <laughs> is celebrating how persuasive into society Spider-Man has got. Oh, absolutely. Yes. How entrenched it is in everyone's mind that they will spend the end credits doing Spider-Man memes. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that's in the end credits and not all the way through yes. the movie. I mean, in, in the movie, there's... We'll get onto that. Yeah, but there's some good stuff, like, you know, because when they introduce each Spider-Man, they have, like, a comic front. Like, they, they show a comic yeah. and they kind of go through the story yeah. that way. And there's there's loads of incorporation of, of comic book stuff into the animation. Like, you get little kind of, uh, you know, introduction boxes and so on and... And sometimes it looks, especially in certain scenes, it's made to look like a comic book. Yeah. So it kind of brings all that through. So it looks, it's got that look and feel of comics whilst being an animated movie at the same time, yeah. which I think is really good. Like, look, I mean, the animation is 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 fantastic. Uh, there's no two ways about it. But uh, um, I suppose I'd, I'd just say that it was written written by Phil Lord, who's one half of the team who wrote the Lego Movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, and a few others, uh, something with meatballs. What's it called? Uh, cloudy, uh, cloudy, cloudy with for meatballs. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's weird that his uh, his partner was just kind of um, just a producer, not not writing it. Um, Chris Christopher Miller. Yeah, but I mean, it didn't seem to cause a problem. Well, aren't they the same ones that got kicked off of uh, Solo? Did they? Isn't it Lord and Miller? Could be. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. But yeah, it the film grossed 384.3 million worldwide against a um a nine a 90 million budget. So 
and it received loads of critical wow. acclaim. So it was it was a huge hit. It was solo. It was solo. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, don't have to stick a little um a little kind of correction mm-hmm. in there. That's good. No. You did say that you wanted to talk about the music. Hmm. Talk about the music. <laughs> I think Daniel Pemberton is the. That's right. Yeah, Daniel. Pe- Daniel Pemberton. Yeah. Is the person? Mad genius is. You think? I mean, I like it. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, if you took it out of the film and someone played it to me randomly on the street, I would think, well, this is different. Um, but don't give up the day job. <laughs> but in the context of the film, when the things are happening and it's all in time with those visuals, it's like, it works. It really works. Yeah, I agree. I I, I really like the, the score. And the, it's good use of music. I mean, some of it certainly isn't to my taste. I think Miles has terrible musical taste, for example. You don't like Post Malone? Who? <laughs> no. <laughs> Never heard of him. I can't say I'm a fan of Nicki Minaj either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then I, I'm out of a demographic. I'm at least yeah, 20 exactly. years too old. Precisely. It's not It's not supposed to appeal to me. It's supposed to appeal to a, a younger mm-hmm. person who likes modern pop music, which uh, I don't. Um, so, I mean, but but it, it's, mm-hmm. it's good, really good use of music. There's there's lots of stuff, lots of bits that I really, that really hit really, really well. Like the, the What's Up Danger thing. And um, yeah, the music is good. Both the soundtrack music and the score itself really works. Mm-hmm. It does fit the film. Mm. Whether I like the music in it or not, mm-hmm. myself, it does fit it. Yeah, this works um, on on all counts, really, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's it's definitely a step above a lot of other stuff, a lot of other superhero movies. In its kind of like yeah. in its score, <laughs> we've given our verdict. So well, let's let's give a rating, okay, based on. You know, like previously we've done like wheelie to your favourite Transformer character. Here, I think we'll choose our favourite Peter Park. Well, Peter Park, our favourite Spider-Man or Spider-Person. The one we feel fits it, not favourite. The one we feel fits it best. So would you like to go first, Dave? Uh, I think... <sighs> Maybe not. <laughs> How about you, Galactosh? I would go with uh, Marvel Secret Wars issue 8, Spider-Man. Okay. And why? <laughs> uh, it's new, it's invigorating, looks cool. Uh, and, you know, black suit. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Um, I'd go with... The original 616 Peter Parker, because weirdly, or at least Peter B. Parker, because although ostensibly it's about Miles, Peter is, for me, the real star in the heart of the movie. Ironically, it's a better Peter Parker movie than almost any other movie that focuses on Peter Parker. Uh, It really gets the character down perfectly. Uh, He's the core of the the story, really. I mean, Miles is the star, but... It wouldn't be the movie it is without Peter. Yeah. How about you, Dave? 
<clears throat> Didn't think um, about this, did you? <laughs> I did, but you... Uh... <laughs> I think I would give this film a solid Spider-Man 2099. Wow. Why? <laughs> um, Because, like that Spider-Man, one of the things I really love about him is the visuals and his design. And... You know, whatever you want to take from this film, if you do not take the choice of animation and style and visuals that they've really almost created a whole other type of animation style in the process of this film, I think it's... As someone who studied animation, it's mind-boggling some of the things they do in this Mm -hmm. film. And looking at behind the scenes of how they got it to work... It's incredible. Well, I mean, it, um, I've got a stat here. I mean, it was the, um, well, it's now been surpassed by Across the Spider-Verse, but at the time, they had the largest amount of animators working on a, on a Western movie ever. I can believe it. They required between 140, 170 animators to do it. Yeah. It's incredible. And when I think of, of flashy visuals and a cool aesthetic... Mm. That calls back to some things that happened in the 90s, I think, of Spider-Man 2099. So. Okay, all right, fine. That's why it's my pick. All right, anything else you want to talk say about Into before we move on to Across? What was the computer game like, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's actually a... He hasn't got his own game, but there's like a a different skin you can get to play as Miles in the semi-recent Miles PS4 game. There we go. I know it would be like um, It's fun. It's amazing. They did the thing. Spectacular. Um, <laughs> We've done this one before. <laughs> yeah, it's, really cool. it's, it's called a call. It's called a callback. You know. <laughs> There's a whole web of things I could have done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you what you guys know about like animation in terms of like the process and the the terms they use, but only as far as a layman would know. Yeah, traditionally they they animate three animated films on ones, which means that they it's like twenty four frames per second. But for this, they animated on twos, so they animated only twelve frames, and it really shows in like how people snap to action in the film, and it's not as like you know perfectly Pixar smooth process. It it's really got the the jits and jabs. I'm sure I read somewhere they changed the frame rate. They kept changing the frame rate throughout the film. Oh yeah. They change it for the different characters. Mm. Yeah. But for the 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 majority of the film that's what it shot yeah. as. And it really I don't know I don't know how to explain it. It gives it a dy- a dynamism. A dynamism, I think, is probably possibly the word you're looking for. It's it's it, it looks it it put, puts across that kind of um comic book feel really, really well. Yes. Yeah. And they and they did that for the game. Oh there you go. Alright. <laughs> Good to know. Okay, so uh, without further ado, 
let's move on to the sequel, Across the Spider-Verse. Now, this is a 2023 animated movie produced by Columbia Pictures and Sony Pictures Animation, directed by, here we go, Joaquim de Santos, Kemp Power, Justin K. Thomas, and written by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller and some bloke called Dave Callahan, who is not part of the Lord Miller team, but also was on the writing team. So it's slightly more people and a totally different directorial team. Mm -hmm. Same writers, roughly. But yeah, d different directorial team. What were your expectations going in, Dave? Um, why is this taking so long? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It was delayed by almost a year, wasn't it? I think. Uh, I think. Yeah, oh, we. I mean, obviously, we. There's reasons why many things were delayed over the last few years. But as someone who saw it in the cinema at mm -hmm. the time. You know, in 2018, it has been a long time mm. to watch this yeah. sequel. And in that time, there has been so much, I guess, like what you guys found. Like, you didn't watch it straight away, you watched it later. You may have uh, felt like this was a good film. More and more people started to get notoriety. These characters since then have become slightly more popular they're in more things you see them more often mm -hmm. and i guess the the hype as it were had built up to you know way past yeah like well is it going to be good now it's been so long what what do i expect you know is <laughs> i didn't know what to expect i mean i i think the hype for me anyway hit a crescendo and then started to peter off because it took so long to happen. It took so long. And they then they they, they announced it was going to be a two-parter as well. That, and that I'm really was a bummer for me. Like when they announced it was going to be a two-parter, I remember saying to you, oh, well, that's going to be shit then. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of the idea of making it a two-parter. Um, cause I thought, well, you're just stringing it out. You're going to, what you, you, do you want, you just want our money off us twice. Do you, is that what, is that what it is? <laughs> it felt, it felt as well. Cause it's also, since this has really drawn the concept of multiverse to the mainstream superhero mm. films, as it were, we've had so many multiverse films like, you know, no way home. What if, uh, multiverse of madness all these different things that everything everywhere with. all at once yeah that as well yeah this type of this the thing that kind of made spider-verse so special playing with characters from different places that you don't oh we'll never see that ever again or it's like there's something they've never done before it's now become a little bit of a lazy storytelling crutch <laughs> oh, yes. but it's like this has been a problem with hollywood throughout history though is that you get all of a sudden you'll get two films come along exactly the same plot, all completely unrelated, Armageddon Deep Impact, mm. as an example. And then you get the other end of it where they accidentally seem to all be coming together at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Hollywood do like whatever's hot. Mm -hmm. And they like to milk it. Oh, they love to milk it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean um so what were your thoughts going in glactosh 
I completely forgot there was going to be a, se- a sequel out. All right. Um, I knew they announced it pretty much straight after the original one. Mm. But then from there, it wasn't up until I saw an advert. It was like, ah, oh, it's coming out. I even wasn't paying attention to the point that I missed that they were putting it into two parts. Mm. It wasn't until I, I read all of the reactions of people coming out of the cinema. <laughs> oh, we'll get on to that. But I went, oh, it's in two parts. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I had my reservations. I mean, I was really looking forward to it, um, but I was a little worried. I mean, cu- cutting into two parts, that worried me. I was worried that because the first one had been such a kind of unexpected hit that Sony were really going to try and milk it. Mm. And you mm. see that from the trailers, like it's spider people everywhere. And I'm like, oh, this is not what I want. I don't, I liked how small <laughs> um, the original movie was, how how kind of um, compact the cast were. And it wasn't horrible, great, big, sprawling Armageddon kind of, you know, end of the world kind of story it was a small spider-man story and i worried that this was going to be a bit too much like like things like um uh end game and whatever it's like oh we've got to make it bigger and better and everything and everyone in it you leave end game alone <laughs> <laughs> all right is it the one after it? that was the culmination of 10 years yeah. of cinema going. okay fair enough that was- <laughs> I just switched off after Endgame, to be honest. And that is your right. <laughs> so I was worried about that. Uh, and also, the fact that they changed, completely changed the directorial team, I thought, well, hmm, why? I think it shows. Yeah. And also, the fact that they're already planning, they were already planning spin-offs, uh, just felt like, oh, right, this has now become a media product. What is it with Sony and insisting that they have to milk this for every, every Spider-Man in general, for everything that's worth? It's all they've got. Like if you remember back to when they were going, right, we're gonna we're gonna slowly do the Sinister Stick Six to the point of at the end of Amazing Spider-Man, or was it Amazing Spider-Man Two? Two, where they had the uh, Oscorp mm. vaults <laughs> with, uh, oh look, you might get some more of the Sinister Six. They're coming. Everyone's got a backpack. And now it looks it looks like they're gonna ruin Craven by giving him daddy issues <laughs> in a completely different way to add daddy issues in the comics. Yeah. And it's just like I know that they they're desperately trying to hope that they can have the success that Marvel uh MCU has. Mm-hmm. But they've only got Spider Man. It only goes so far. Mm. It's only got like three or four supporting characters that may be even good enough to support themselves. Yeah. I think they'd be better off doing Black Cat before Craven mm. or Morbius. Well, there are so many. There are so many <laughs> Spider stories you can tell, though. It's just that they tend to just gravitate to the same ones over and over again. Which at least is what at least that's what made Spider Verse different. And what I liked about it was it wasn't like, oh, we're going to do the Green Goblin story again, or we're going to do uh, the Venom story again, or we're going to do pick, you know, I don't know, Gwen dying story you know that kind of thing to be fair the comics do that a lot oh of course of course they do yeah i'm pretty sure they've worked out there's only like four spider-man stories Mm -hmm. 
And, and the filler ones where he's late for something but has to stop yeah. something. Usually the best ones. Yeah, that's the filler one. <laughs> and then it all goes round to clones, <laughs> symbiotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to clones. Mm-hmm. Bit more symbiotes. Yeah. Oh, and there's some. There's some. Someone trying to reveal his secret identity. And now, Spider Verse. Yes. Yeah. But outside of that, what have you got with Spider Man? Yeah. I think that's harsh, but fair. No, you, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> so, a few production facts. Uh, this was the longest animated movie produced by an American studio. I thought you were going to say ever. It's two and a half hours long. Um, ever. Is it that all? It's two and a half mm-hmm. hours long, yeah. The first one's about two, I think. I could have sworn this one was like five hours. <laughs> it did seem to go on a long, long time. Um it was originally written as one movie, as we said, and split into two because the writers felt that the story they wanted to tell was too big a story to be fully realised in one film. <laughs> it was a it was a lot of work. Had the largest crew of animators on a film ever. Almost a thousand people working on it. There were quite a lot of people who got um, sacked or not sacked, but kind of like let go because they were suffering from exhaustion trying to get this done. That's nice. Though. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so, but it's it's a continuation from what we saw in that cutscene at the end, and the and and some of the bits from that first movie. Mm-hmm. So let's briefly go over the plot. It plot. starts, yeah, yeah, I know, okay. I know. Inverted commas, plot, plot. Yeah. So we start on Earth sixty five, home of Gwen Stacy, Spider Woman. We see her origin. The fact that her father blames Spider-Woman for killing Peter, Gwen's best friend, although now her dad looks different and so does Peter. Yes. Yes. Don't know why. Maybe it's not the same Gwen. Something suggests to me that they hadn't really fully worked out what the sequel was going to be when they made the first one. Still could use the same animations, though. I think the the dad changing doesn't really change anything. It's It's the Peter change that is very obvious. And I feel like they almost had to do it because, like, why would she have been hanging around with, like, a middle-aged man if she's in school? It would make sense that he was also in school. The thing is, Spider-Gwen's meant to be older. Yeah, well, well they've kind of made her younger for this. Because mm. yeah. she's she's meant to be the same age as Peter. She just happens to be bitten by the spider instead of Peter. Now she's 15 months older than Miles. Something like that, yeah. A weird version of the Vulture turns up. Kind of a... Uh, what 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 do we call it? It's from um kind of a Da Vinci Renaissance steampunk yeah. culture. Yeah, going towards steampunk. Yeah, a bit steampunk, and he's made out of parchment and so on. And mm. the animation of the various worlds is amped up in this really nicely, really nicely. Mm. I really like the fact that um Gwen Stacy's um universe uh, Earth sixty five is all kind of very painterly and you've got kind of watercolour backgrounds. It very much looks like the original comics, the art done by Robbie Rodriguez in the original comics. It very much yeah, calls to those. Everybody's got their own style and the style is far more far more prevalent and more realised because we actually go to those worlds now rather than having just a character from that world. Yes. Yeah. So back to the story. 
there she's fighting the vulture and then a weird version of, of Jessica Drew turns up on a motorbike with a baby bump. Not yet. Yeah? Yes, yes, yes. Spider-Man 29 turns up first. Um, and gets his ass handed to him and then Jessica turns up. Really? <laughs> oh, I didn't care because I don't like Spider-Man 2099. <laughs> All right, they both turn up. I thought they both turned up at the same time, but you know. I think maybe you're right. I think Tony 99 turns up first and Jessica Drew turns up a little bit afterwards. And we have a big, a big long fight. A bit too long, in my opinion. Where they play Spider-Gwen's theme, which is fine, but it keeps stopping and starting and stopping <laughs> and starting and stopping and starting. So by the time we've got to the end of this 20 minutes, we're sick of hearing her theme. And then we move on to... We flash to Earth 1610 home of um, Mars Morales. He's 16 months older and adapting to being Spider-Man and encounters the Spot, who is a little-known character, really. So an interesting choice for our baddie, as it were. And he... Um, he, was also, he was also... He was also... He was also in the in the Nighty Show. Mm-hmm. The Spot, the spot <laughs> dates back to the 80s as well, so he's not exactly new. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean I'm well aware of him. It's not it's not like the Prowler. I do I did know who he was. I've heard of him. I I've seen him before. I'm just trying to convince you to watch the night show. Well, I'm not gonna. <laughs> no, there's no point. It ends and it never it never resolves itself. Oh, a bit like something. Oh. Anyway, uh <laughs> So he encounters Spot who sees himself as being kind of created by Miles and his arch enemy, his nemesis. Because he was created during the, the Collider um, situation. I actually like this character. He's a scientist. Yeah, I like him. And he's played by... Um, I like one of them. Played by... What, what's... Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, Jason Schwartzman. Uh, mm. Who's a good choice. I mean, the, 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 the voice cast on both of these movies are, are great. Spot on, if you will. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he... With the Collider thing... That happened that caused him to um to become the spot who is kind of weird extra dimensional being who can kind of like make holes and so on and finds out he can actually kind of travel between universes eventually but yeah he right what i didn't understand was that spot the spot seems to know who he is like he seems to know that he was bitten by the spider he seems to know that he was created by the same situation like does he know he's miles no then how does he know this information um exactly i mean i guess because maybe after the fact he found out some more information about these things because he seemed to have known about um he had the spider in his apartment so maybe there was more ways that he found out about what was going on. I just, I just don't think they gave it enough thought. Mm. Unless there's something to be revealed, I don't think they've actually put that much thought into it. Mm. Or maybe, maybe just, maybe just put it together that, um, that obviously that there was another spider person that had been created. How for that universe? How? Because they brought the spider in, they so, they they would have done that before, and that 
they would have must have put he must have put two and two together. Where has this new Spider-Man come from? Yeah, he put two and two together with knowledge that he doesn't have. Yeah, I think you're putting two and two together. Yeah, so so essentially, like I was talking about in the previous movie, everyone in the previous movie acts like they live in this universe and that, and that they don't know things that the viewer knows. Everyone in this movie acts like they know what the viewer knows. And it breaks it in a lot of places. Maybe they saw the first one. Yeah, exactly. They must have watched it. Mm. Because they know about the spider. They know a lot of things that you just don't really understand why they would know it. But he was the one who brought the spider in. So, how does he know that this spider gives people spider powers? How does he know that? He doesn't. Okay. If, if anyone was going to know, I would have expected people who were working at Alchemax would have figured it out. How? Why? Because it wasn't he was... Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just don't. I, I, why would they not just create their own Spider-Man then? Why wouldn't they just get it to bite someone else? Like you know. It, anyway, so he knows that Miles doesn't take him seriously, um, and he's got other issues to deal with, like the fact that he's starting. He, again, he wants to start a new school. Hmm. This happened in the last movie. I think it's more high school than to the university. Yeah, it? he's going to go to another university. So we're having the same storyline from the first movie. So tracking spot, Gwen visits Earth 1610 and Miles, which she's forbidden from doing. She's also forbidden from telling uh, from telling him about the Spider Society. It's all against the rules, but she does it anyway. And uh, And it gets quite painfully slushy at this point as well. The romance aspect is really um, amped up. Mm. Whereas in the first movie, you just felt like he fancied her, she wasn't that bothered. I didn't think it was a romance thing. I thought it was more that you really got in her, the sense in her universe that she was she felt alone. Mm. And she was like missing a friend after not having Peter, meeting Miles and the gang, and were like, well, I'll never see them again. And her whole interaction is about like her feeling that no one gets her and she's on her own. It's only been 16 months. Hey, teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> and and her dad conveniently thinks that she killed someone. Which, I don't know, would yeah. you do that? If you discovered that... What, what you mean? Like, when he When she when reveals... He found out. When, yeah, he's, and he's like, oh, oh well, I, I, I'm, I believe my daughter's a murderer now. I think it was more... Because even in the animation, even in that scene, there's like... When he finds out, there's like uh, a side of him that's blue and a side of him that's like red or pink. It's like to match Gwen's colours. Mm -hmm. And when he decides that to read her, her Miranda rights, um, he goes full blue instead of like going in with her side. So I guess he's fighting being a cop and being a dad. At that point, and he just automatically was like, "I suppose yeah. you can explain it that way, but I think it's quite convenient. It, it allows the story to happen. It allows her decide to decide to leave and join the Spider yeah. Society. You know, there's a lot of re a lot of reaching. I know there. I guess. Mm. I mean, it's it's because it's almost like what happened with uh, um, Miles and his dad in the first film. Like, no, because it's not because over... it's not because." His dad doesn't know he's Miles. 
Yeah, I know that. His dad doesn't know he's Miles, but he assumes that Spider-Man was responsible for the death mm-hmm. and therefore treats him as a threat and an enemy, of course, until he finds out about Spider-Man towards the end of the film. Uh-huh. But obviously in this scenario, that's been going on for a lot longer. She introduced that, you know, Peter was a close part of the family and then died mm-hmm. and he saw it happen and he assumes it's her. And he's been chasing Spider-Woman ever since. Yep. And, you know, I can't, I, I, I mean, that's what I took from the film. I thought that it was just that he was struggling but, as a father versus being a cop. But his whole reason for caring about Peter was that Peter was his daughter's best friend. Mm. Yeah. So now he's discovered that his daughter apparently murdered him. That completely changes everything, you know? So, like, I just don't... I just don't... I find it bizarre that you'd assume that your daughter did that, considering they were best friends. Well, I mean, eventually... When we we go back to that universe, you realise that he sat with it for a bit and it was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to that. I've made the wrong mistake. (laughs) I mean, I've made the mistake. Well, yeah. Anyway... Uh, she visits Miles in the same way we saw at the end of the first movie, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's even the same dialogue. So that is that event happening. Although Miles looks younger. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just fine. I mean, there's these little things. I'm not too bothered about them. Consistency wasn't this film's major. No. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, we'll get. I mean, we'll get onto some very inconsistent stuff later. So, Spot discovers he can travel between realities. Um, that, and he's going to try and enhance his powers by absorbing the power from other realities' colliders. Surely, the first thing the Spider Side Society would have done was get rid of all the colliders. That would make sense. <laughs> Not just have every reality have this terrible doomsday device that can basically break realities, especially since the Spider Society is all about avoiding breaking realities. I thought about that, mm-hmm. and someone pointed out that it's because of when it happens. Miles, Miles Gwen has gone there to investigate the spot as a abnormality or anomaly. Yeah. But obviously we don't know that's what he's going to do at that point. Mm -hmm. And she was only meant to go there and watch him and she didn't. Yeah. And when she's like, oh shit, (laughs) Um, I need to go and stop him. Jessica Drew and Layla are speaking to her and they find out that that's where he's gone to different Alchemex buildings. I I think it would have... However... Go on. She um, doesn't. She convinces her not to tell M- Miguel. So she's like, "You have to go and sort this out. Just do it quickly." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they didn't tell him, and obviously that's exactly what M- what Miguel would have done. <laughs> but but, but Miguel Miguel knows there are other colliders. He's aware of it. Yes. So why I'm doesn't sure. he do anything about it? I don't know, maybe. The problem with this I have is that 
you can't I don't understand how much this is the spider society can stop or change in a universe. It's not something that's explained. And it seems very vague. Because they haven't thought it through. Because I think, like I take for the film, taking a bunch of spider people out of their universes, regardless if they have watches that stop them glitching, surely that's almost as damaging as having anomalies in other universes. Mm -hmm. Than them not being in their universes when things are happening. Well, I don't think that they're all the Unless, time. Unless, no, but it it felt it felt like a lot of them were being displaced by being there, which doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, considering how <laughs> Unless, considering how hung up Miguel is on on anomalies, he doesn't he doesn't half mind creating them, does he? Unless. The way they travel is like space and time, and they're going back to when they left. But that's not covered either. But they don't but though, because we we see to... them come back and they come back later. You would you would think that I can they... see Galactosh is desperate to tell us something. No, <laughs> it would make sense to me because of what comes up later, mm-hmm. which I'm sure we'll get into about certain events mm-hmm. that I don't understand how they know that without time being involved. Mm -hmm. Because how do you know about events that are coming up in a story without knowing... It almost has to be like a time travel story as well as a space jumping dimension. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Because, I mean, those events have happened to other Spider-Men or Spider-People. So... Yeah. I mean, it felt like a Doctor Who type of thing. That's what I mean. Like, I'm glad I didn't interrupt. It's nice to feed you some more rope. Um, <laughs> it's the problem. The problem with this whole film is those those are supposeders. There's so much you have to fill in with your own head. Yes. A film shouldn't have to make you fill in everything of it. Yeah, it's all right. It's good to make you think. Mm-hmm. But a film should have a coherent plot. It should have a structure. It should have its own rules. But to have its own rules, it needs to either show, tell, or demonstrate those rules. This film does not do that because they keep saying, oh, anomalies, anomalies, anomalies. Okay, why are you literally only worried about canon events? Why does they seem to behave more like the TVA in Loki Mm -hmm. than some dimensional hopping super team that's trying to protect the multiverse as a whole and stop it fracturing better not because they're literally only worried about making sure that key events happen not that they're not particularly worried that the vultures turned up Mm -hmm. they're worried that certain people are going to do what they have to do at certain times. Yeah. Although we do we do find out that they do jump into realities and capture people who have come across from realities, which yeah. has all happened because yeah. of the colliders. Mm-hmm. So then why are, yes. why are they still there? And also, at the end of the previous movie, we were told that there wasn't a problem, that it had all been solved and the multiverse had been saved and there wasn't a problem. So why is there now a problem? Why is it now a problem? It wasn't 16 months ago. Now it's a problem. Now it's a really big problem. Yeah. So, um, anyway, Gwen leaves that reality to chase down the spot, going to Mumbatton on Earth 51010. 
which is the mm -hmm. Spider-Man India reality, mm -hmm. with a new Spider-Man who's quite fun. Little bit of a little bit of a racial stereotype. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like that they changed his outfit. That much. Yeah, yeah, it's a better outfit. It's an, yeah, it's an interesting design. I like the way he looks, and I like the way he acts. I like the I like the actor, the the, the voice acting. It's he's good, mm. but yeah, it's it's okay. And Miles follows him, follows them. Yeah. Well, follows uh, her through. They team up with that Spider Man, that reality Spider Man, uh, whose name is. Oh. I can't say it. It's. It's, another Parker, name. <laughs> Parker, it's like Peter Parker, but in uh, in in yes. Indian. Avatar Pravka. Okay, let's try this again. Pravatar Pravka, or Pav for shorts. And I think I got the pronunciation right there, but I do apologise if I didn't. His voice actor was also in Deadpool, so another Marvel. Yeah, it's another Deadpool. Marvel one. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, they team up with him, and they team up with Spider Punk, Hobie Brown, against Spot. Mm. The Spot still escapes after after absorbing the Collider energy of that universe, and Miles saves Spider Man India's girlfriend's dad, who's yeah. a police captain. Which I would like to come on to. Well, yeah. So he saves the captain, and. This turns out to be a canon event that essentially, according to Miguel and the Spider Society, there are certain events that happen in every spider's life and they must happen to stop the universe from the multiverse from falling to pieces. One of them is, and this is how he phrases it, a police captain close to Spider-Man dies saving a kid from falling rubble during a battle with an arch-nemesis. Yep, I got your hand up there, Galactosh. Yeah, this is where it falls apart. Agreed. This is where the whole thing... Right, because this is caused by an anomaly. Mm. They're all about stopping anomalies. This is why I'm saying they're more interested in making sure that canon events happen. They're not about stopping anomalies because the anomaly had to happen. Mm -hmm. Can an event to happen? Yeah. Or do they just expect that all captains are going to get hit by rubble? Mm -hmm. Which they don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they even show Amazing Spider-Man's... It's made Spider-Man 1, the first movie. They show yeah. Captain Stacy's death in that. And he didn't die in those circumstances. He didn't die saving a kid from falling rubble. Yeah. He didn't die during a battle with an arch nemesis, unless you think that the lizard is is one of one of Superman's uh, arch nemesis. Spider Man's. Yeah, sorry, Spider Man's. Sorry, <laughs> I don't think the lizard could take Spot Superman. To be fair. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, there you go. So. It already doesn't make much sense. And then when yeah. you add on top of that, the fact that the only reason that the Spider-Man India Captain, whatever his name was, dies is because an anomaly has come into their universe and caused the event. To blame the other anomaly for preventing the event 
just is just completely insane. Yes. And I the mean... room is full of full of super geniuses. And all of them go, yeah, yeah, he's right. Yeah. Just doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah, I that's that's definitely one thing that I left the the cinema thinking. That that point specifically mm-hmm. really bugged me. It was like that's what I was saying earlier about how does he know that this event is a canon event and he warned Gwen to try and stop Miles? Like, how do you know that? Because his AI I mean, told him so. Ha- That's <laughs> the only reason. How does Unless Vader he's got know it? Evil AI. <laughs> AI and mm. it's the only, it's the only reason is to go forward. <laughs> I mean, even if that was the case, that would mean that even if Miles wasn't there and the spot wasn't there. Does that just mean today was the day that Archimex was going to have an explosion and the rubble was going to fall on the police captain? Is that it's the only thing that would make some sort of sense? But it's not it's not clarified in any way. No. And that did bug me. That, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that these canon events are things and it really what really bugged me was the fact that Peter B. Parker was on the side of Miguel. He, he basically says, oh, we wouldn't be who we were if it wasn't for these events. And it's like, the whole reason you are who you are is because you didn't prevent these events. Yes. The reason you become mm-hmm. Spider-Man is because you failed to prevent, you failed to act, and now you're asking, you're, now you're asking Miles not to act? Yeah. It's goes completely against the whole idea of the character it, it it's like they've gone from the first first film mm. where they completely understand spider-man and what he is and where it comes from and what he needs to I, I've, I've i've forgotten everything i ever knew mm. don't worry about it <laughs> doesn't matter what we did in that first film we'll just do this one no one will notice yeah exactly this film's really condescending to its audience <laughs> There's there's a scene where Miguel is explaining to Miles about this, and then he's like, well, Miles is like, how do you know this? So he explains that he did it, and he went to another universe um, to replace a version of him that died, because that version of him had a daughter, and he wanted to be dad. Yeah. Okay. Didn't work for him. But in his explanation... When he's talking about it and it like the whole universe collapses because he's there, mm-hmm. Peter B. Parker is there. Mm-hmm. He's helping him save people in that scene. So unless there's a like a whole section that has been cut out or been shoved to the next film, that would explain why Peter B. agrees with him in that because I don't understand why Peter B. would be there. Yeah. And also, how has he had time to do all this? Like, I mean, he's obviously been hitting the bodybuilding quite hard. <laughs> Protein shakes. But it's only been 16 months. In the, in, the, in the context of the story, it's only been 16 months. So how did he have... He's been to... on the weight gain 2000. Yeah, exactly. How did he have the time to <laughs> b- beef up, steal another Miguel's identity, have the whole situation fall apart, form the spider society then start jumping around preventing things when he's only had eight 16 months to do it 
it, it's like does time pass differently in Nuevo York or something? Like I, I just don't get it. Like how has he had? How has he pulled all of this together and built a bloody great big HQ in that time and got millions of spider people in there? That's what I was saying. Like it feels like it also has to involve time, like time travel, because it doesn't. But isn't it doesn't explain why he would be able to view a universe where he died and then could go to that universe at the right moment to take over without anyone noticing that that version of Miguel died. You know, One of the basic rules of screenwriting, though, is show, don't tell. They've not shown any of these theories. Yeah. So it's all just... Exposition. It's just... It, they don't tell you anything either. Yeah. But what they do tell so the, you... The is just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So they should be showing you what you need to know, whether they're actually telling you what you need to know. Yeah. Like there should be a sign up saying warning, time travel as well. Mm. <laughs> you know, that would be enough. Yeah. You can't be left with a film just to sit there and guess how it happened. Yeah. This is one that all down to Star Wars and all. Mm. All of the little plot holes that people have, uh, oh, well, I've got to come up with a theory for this to fit it in. Yeah. And that's all fine. And it's like... But it wasn't there in the first place. It's like, yeah. I'm sure that they will clean some of this up in the next movie, but you shouldn't have to. No. It should be here. And if, if Miguel is making this shit up, why does no one question him except Miles? Like, everyone just takes whatever he's saying as gospel truth it must be true even though it makes no sense an infinite room of spider-man yeah that's what i'm saying majority of whom will be super geniuses precisely and they none of them have gone uh what how does this work then because i don't get it a whole infinite amount of spider-man that uh spider people mm -hmm. that basically have gone all right boss and you have, um, like, Peter B, you have Gwen, just going along with it and going, yeah, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, fine. I mean, even Hobie Brown, who is a bit kind of dubious about the whole thing, doesn't really bring it up. No. He just kind of goes, Ugh, uh, I'm out. I've had enough of this. So, yeah, I mean, to go back to the storyline, this is where basically he's told he has to let his father die because his, his father's going to become a captain soon. We've had this earlier in the story, the whole idea of his father's going to become a captain and uh, we've got a lot of stuff between the parents and, and, and Miles and how, you know, he's... Because he's busy being Spider-Man, he's missing things and stuff. The old trope, you know? Yeah. But he's going to become a captain. He's going to be captain, become a captain in a couple of days. And for some reason... Miguel knows that that's when he's going to get killed. Yeah, like on the day. Yeah, <laughs> on that day. I mean, that, that did happen in that did happen in the game. To be fair. And for some reason, he, for some reason, he tells Miles. So he he tells Miles how to stop it, and then expects him not to stop it. Mm. Why not just not not tell him that? Well, he doesn't. He, well, it kind of he doesn't tell him, but he very much. No, he um, tells him. He tells him. Like all these, all these. He tells him exactly when it's going to happen. Oh, does he? Yes. He does actually say the words. Yes, okay. he says it in words out loud to his face. <laughs> okay. 
He says it will happen when he's made captain. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, that side, I mean, we can probably talk for hours about how bonkers canon events are and how they don't make any sense. But let's pretend they do for a while. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes, he prevented a canon event and that's bad and that causes the that reality to fall apart and the spiders decide to turn up and start doing sciencey things to fix it which they don't really explain what those sciencey things are or what they're doing or how this is going to work, but they're doing it. Wizard did it. Yeah, exactly. And then they basically tell Miles that he can't save his own father because that would be another canon event broken. Not that there haven't been loads of canon events broken. And, uh, and also, it ruins the multiverse because the whole reason you have different Spider-Men, different versions of Spider-Men, is because things played out differently. Yeah. So if we decide they all have to play out the same, mm-hmm. then it's the same. Like, it's like all of a sudden the universe is on rails. And I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. And they also, they also uh, re- reveal why, since Gwen and Peter have been in this society, they haven't come and visited him or been in contact with him because Miguel tells him he's the original anomaly yeah and Miguel's quite upset about that but how long have they known about five minutes I don't know, it's really, it's that's why you didn't visit me it's only been 16 months <laughs> when did they join the spider society four months ago six months ago two months ago we don't know so it's not they've not had time and she did visit him. Not on purpose. I well, mean, she did. She totally visited him on purpose. No, no, I mean, she wasn't meant to go and speak to him. She went there to go deal with No, she was spot. told she was forbidden from doing so, but she did do it, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, because Gwen kind of helps, um, and so does Hobie, um, she is kind of uh, sent home and uh, chopped out the spider society. She has a kind of a reconciliation with her father, who himself is deciding to quit as a captain, which means he won't die because he, you have to be a captain. Otherwise, you won't die. You, if you're a captain, you will die. If you're not a captain, it won't happen now. No. That's how lame it is. So, yeah, so, so she does that. And Hobie left her a dimension hopping watch so that she could go help Miles. Miles also... Previous to that, went to the, whatever it's called, go back to where you came from machine or whatever it's called. Go home machine or something. And yeah. this is an example of them doing a bad job. Whereas they did a really good job with um, Olivia Octavius in that they didn't tell you who she was. Here, they mm. tell you exactly what reality Miles is going to. So you already know it's the wrong reality. Mm. Oh, right, on the on the screen. Yeah. It says, oh, Earth 42, or whatever. And it's like, all oh, right, well, he's not from there, so he's going to the wrong place. Well, it's that actually done a really good setup at that point, not to tell you. Mm. And you and you could work it out. Yeah. If you'd miss that thing on the screen, you'd be okay. Yeah. I did miss it. But it's right there. It's right there in full view. Because he goes back just after they've had a massive speech about his spiders from the wrong, di- wrong dimension. Mm. And they told you what dimension it's from because it's got it written on it, on the spider. Mm-hmm. 
Do all the spiders have numbers written on their backs? No, but this one was captured by the the people working at Alchemex, and they they painted the number on it. I think. All right, just check it. Yeah, they put it on him. Yeah, I think they put it on him. So here, yeah, he he gets sent back to the wrong reality, which he realizes in the wrong reality when he tries to come out to his parents as Spider Man, and no one knows who Spider Man is. Mm-hmm. Which I liked. I liked that. Because he was playing with the idea of revealing who he was to his parents before. And that was a good kind of like, you know, a payoff. And there's not many in this movie. But then he realizes he's in the wrong reality. And um, it's the one the spider came from. Because we know this. Um, in this reality, shock horror, in case you hadn't already guessed. The Prowler is Miles. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> film end go home yeah I don't really know understand Miles as Miles the Prowler's motivation really like does it seem but we'll probably find out more of that later so isn't um, like in the the run of uh, Miles when he's like introduced when uh, his uncle finds out about his abilities as he tried to like manipulate him and use him for his criminal activities I would assume it was just like maybe he was more agile than his uncle and was like, want to come join the bad guys? And I guess maybe because his father's not there to keep yeah, him in line. Can... And make him top, uh, make him top dog. Because Captain Morales is dead in this yeah. reality. Yeah. And Aaron isn't. So yeah. Um, so Spot returns because we haven't seen him for ages. The main baddie disappears for most of the movie. Spot returns and uh, to Miles's reality, Miles's actual reality, to fight Miles because he's decided he needs to become super powerful so they can have a big fight. It's going to take everything away from him. Yeah, because he took everything away from him. But he didn't. But anyway, anything gave him everything. <laughs> yeah, it gave him everything. His his motivations are quite flimsy. But he's not the only one. What if motive, flimsy motivations? Mm. Well, no, yeah, yes, that too. But he's not the only one who who turns up in Mars's reality. All the the Spider Verse people, sorry, Spider Society people, turn up to stop him, stopping his father from dying. Um, so you've got he kind they kind of form a team, don't they? With um, it's Miguel and um, Ben Riley and Jessica Jones. Yeah, Ben Riley. Who Ben Riley's kind of the Spider-Man noir character of this movie, isn't he? Really? No, he talks a lot more. Yeah, but he's but he's very much he's very comic book, <laughs> isn't he? Like he he, he describes yeah, everything that's happening to him. Yeah, uh, which is which is fun. It's all right. I don't didn't dislike that. That's fine. I thought it was funny. Oh. Uh, yeah, they sum up Spider-Man in the nineties, I suppose. Mm. But yeah, another one. Yeah. How does Ben Riley get his captain moment? How does he get his uncle moment? Mm-hmm. It's the Scarlet Spider. Yeah. He's a clone of Spider-Man. He's an anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a clone who, who hasn't got an uncle. Yeah. Who didn't have a captain. Mm-hmm. Came about long after captains. Where does mm-hmm. he get his where does he get his canon moments from? Yeah, he doesn't have any. Yeah, I mean, it does it. It pulls it apart when you think about all the different Spider-Men involved. They're not all Peter Parker. They're not all 
But if he's pulling it along on the other Spider-Man's one, then mm-hmm. Miles Morales is not meant to exist. His mm-hmm. captain has died. Yeah. In the reality he's meant to be in. Precisely. So it's happened. Uh, but also the Spider-Man in that reality has had an Uncle Ben and has a captain already. Mm-hmm. So what is his problem? Yeah. And surely yeah, Gwen Stacy dying is a canon event. We're all yeah. fine with Spider Gwen kicking about. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't get why Miguel is so pissed off. Like, I can understand him being serious, or they want him to be a more of a serious Spider Man because you know that's kind of how he was depicted, like not being as cracking jokes as much as Peter, but. But he was doing it in the he was doing it in the uh, post credit scene in the previous movie, so he's had a complete character rehash. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's that change as well. But I mean, it's just like he's but he's more he's more than that. Like he's you really get the feeling that he almost hates Miles or like he dislikes him. Like his presence of being anomaly is pissing yeah. him off. And I don't understand why. <laughs> Well, I think that's because he feels like he's been shortchanged um, in his reality. He, yeah, and, and he feels like this is all, it's all kind of Miles' fault, which it isn't, but he thinks that yeah. it's Miles' fault that this is all, this is all happening. But like it wasn't. It had nothing to do with Miles. Miles was just there uh, when the Collider thing happened. Like, he didn't make, he didn't create the Collider. He didn't create the event that caused all this. He was just there, and he didn't have any control over whether a spider from another reality bit him or not. So it's it's all yeah. It's difficult to blame him when yeah he was an innocent party really. No, but so anyway, spider sighted chasing Miles, and then Gwen forms a splinter group to save Miles, including Peter B. Parker and Mayday, because in this version. Peter B. Parker is an idiot. An absolute irresponsible <laughs> father idiot who takes babies on adventures. As you do. Um, and then you've got uh, Spider-Man <laughs> India, you've got um, Spider-Punk, and you've got Spider-Bite, who uh, is that that kind of one that's kind of doing it. She's, she's, uh, she's basically... S- lady. They try and make her a character, but they don't spend very much time on her. They try to make it maybe that maybe Miles fancies her. But it's really like, you blink and you miss it. And then she's part of the team. I think Noir and Spider-Ham are there as as well, and Penny Parker as well. They're all there. And Penny now has, because her robot got destroyed in the previous movie, she now has the, the robot that she has in the comics. The big kind yeah. of almost neon Genesis Evangelion kind of thing. And then the movie ends abruptly. And that, listeners, is an accurate recreation of how it felt when the credits rolled on Across the Spider Verse. Well, for Galactosh and I at least. I know, I know, it's a bit of a cheap trick, possibly a bit unfunny, but this podcast is going to be a good three hours long otherwise. Don't worry though, you won't have to wait until 2024, or 2025, or even 2026 to hear part 2. It'll be out in a week or so. 
When we return in part two, you'll be able to hear our further thoughts and verdicts on Across the Spider-Verse and our personal top 10 Spider-Man movies. Plus, be sure to listen all the way to the end for our secret post credit scene. Anyway, catch you here next time on... Arg My Optics! Arg My Optics! <laughs>